Podcast. My name is Austin Esrich, joined here with Kevin. Kevin, how you doing? Doing fantastic, Austin, and uh, welcome to our podcast listeners. Yes, welcome to the uh, Vic Fangio era as well. Indeed. Uh, we got a we got a new coaching staff. Uh, we got some things to talk about here. Uh, unfortunately, everything's following a disappointing season for the Broncos, but uh, definitely some good news as well that we want to talk about. Sorry it's been so long since we've uh, released a podcast, uh, but here we are. We are still uh, still diehard fans, and we're still true to uh, uh, to the podcast, and we're going to go ahead and get going. First thing I want to talk about is, is some good news. Some good news um, is that Pat Bolin and Champ Bailey have indeed been elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and in the same year, nonetheless. That's never happened for the Broncos. Broncos have never had more than one uh, person go into the Hall of Fame in the same year. So um, so that's huge. Now, Bolin's been struggling with Alzheimer's. Obviously, it's good to see him uh, get in before you know what you know could inevitably happen here uh, before too long. Um, and then Champ Bailey, first ballot Hall of Famer. Everyone knew it was gonna it was gonna happen, but it does also bring up the question of was he the best corner ever? There's talks about Deion Sanders, Ronnie Lott, uh, some other guys that might be better. Um, and and you, I think you you were reading something that said like Darrell Revis or something was ranked higher than him, which is ridiculous. Yeah, so I was going through a list before the podcast, and there's a you know Ty Laws listed really high, oh hang on listed very high, not higher than than Champ, but anyway he was somewhere between number six, seven, eight all time list, and uh, you know as a Broncos fan, and of course we enjoyed watching him all those years, and he made twelve Pro Bowl teams, which is which the is unheard mo- of, which is the most ever by a defensive back, which includes the safety position. There's yep. been a lot of great safeties as well. But the best defensive back of all time in my mind, and then you hit me with some facts that blew my mind. Back to you. Yeah. Yeah, so first of all, of those 12, uh, Champ Bailey also, you know, in his second to last year playing in the NFL, uh, 2012, uh, he and Chris Harris Jr. were ranked – the number one cornerback duo in the NFL by Pro Football Focus. Um, so even in his second to last year, his he hadn't really started to slip. You know what I mean? Um, now everyone had saw, saw the the age that he was 32, 33 years old, and oh maybe he should convert to safety, which you know may or may not have been a good thing to extend his career. But even in his second to last year, he had not waned. He had, he was also elected to an All Pro that year, uh, another one, um, and. The following year, 2013, um, he only played uh, maybe maybe half the games. He was out for a, most of the year because of because of injury, um, and then after that, you know, he was he was no longer with the Broncos and ended up retiring. So it's unfortunate that he still had such talent when he uh, when he ended up ended up having to retire, um, just because you know the age is a scary thing for a lot of teams for some reason, but. Um, but the stat that, that that Kevin that you're referring to uh, goes back to his 2006 season, uh, which is ranked one of the best seasons for a cornerback ever. And Champ Bailey, you know, maybe none, no other years were quite this ridiculously dominant. But he had a history of having dominant seasons like this one. And everyone knows 10, 10 interceptions. Everyone knows the ten interceptions that he had, which is ridiculous for anybody. 
that says a lot in and of itself. However, when you think about a couple other things, in 16 games in 2006, you start to see how dominant he really was. He had those 10 interceptions on only 35 targets the entire year. Okay? 35 targets the entire year. And he had 10 catches himself <laughs> and only allowed four. He only <laughs> allowed four so, catches all right, the let, entire let, year. Let me just put this in perspective. So he's playing defense, which means that the quarterback isn't throwing to him. The quarterback's <laughs> no. trying to throw to the receiver. And Champ Bailey had more catches from the quarterback than the receiver that the quarterback it's, was throwing to. Exactly. And 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 to add insult to injury, the he had the he only allowed four catches, right? Had ten interceptions. Of those thirty-five targets, he also deflected twenty-one. So that means of so that means thirty-one of thirty-five targets that year were either caught by Champ Bailey or deflected by Champ Bailey. That is ridiculous. That is astonishing. Mm. And he still was a huge help in the run game. Here's the thing, he only allowed he he only allowed f- four catches. So obviously he's not tackling his own receiver that he's covering very often, but he still had 85 tackles that year. 85 as a cornerback. This is not a middle linebacker. It's as a cornerback he had 85 tackles. So he was not afraid to get in there and get dirty, uh, even in that dominant, uh, you know, shutdown uh, year. Of great, great player and classy individual. Great Very leader, classy. teammate. It's a shame he never won a Super Bowl, right? But oh, absolutely. He I'm was... glad he at least got to play in one, even though it was an embarrassing one. Uh, he, we had, he, I think, we had 13 players, I believe, on injured reserve during that Super Bowl. So it was yeah. not a good, uh, good but he, time to uh, get into But he was Bowl. drafted in 1999 by the Washington Redskins, number seven mm-hmm. overall. Spent yep. four years in Washington before we traded to get him. And who did we trade to get Clinton him? Portis. Good and old Portis, Clinton Portis. Portis was a good running back. And he, he, was had, gr- he was very good running back. He had a decent career with the Redskins, but – I think looking back on it, the Broncos clearly got the better of that trade. Broncos definitely got the better end, but Portis, it's not like the Redskins got nothing, you know. Um, So, yeah, so Champ Bailey, my opinion, best cornerback that ever played, um, was not afraid. Deion Sanders was great. This is not to take away from any other cornerback, and I know that this point could be argued, and you probably have some good, good points if you're listening to this and you're, if you think someone else is better than Champ, excuse me, um, you probably have some good points. But that's my opinion. Not afraid to defend the run. Still a lockdown corner all the way through his entire career. Um, and as you know, Kevin, he is my my favorite uh, all time player. So, all right, um, congratulations, Champ, and congratulations Pat to Pat Bolin. One yes. of the greatest NFL owners in history. He took over in the early '80s, and during his era era we went to six seven super bowls and did not have back-to-back losing seasons the entire time he owned the team until the last two years yes there's i I don't think it's a coincidence that those two back-to-back losing seasons happened 
after well, true. he gave over day-to-day he, operations to he, Joe he Ellis. <laughs> incapacitated, incapacitated due to health issues. But I, you know, my, my memories of Pat Boland are of, in the 1980s. He, he, would yeah. mo- he would move down to – of course, that's the Elway era. He would, yep. move, he would move down to the sidelines, and he was always wearing a fur coat. Oh, Always yeah. had a fur coat and oh, sunglasses yeah. on, just a cool looking owner. And he get onto the practice field and everything. I mean, yep. And one thing, one thing that Ch- that Champ Bailey said is, uh, is you know he'd see Pat Bowen. He would be in the in the lifting room with the players when they were lifting weights, and and he would be lifting right alongside them. And I thought that's that's just such a cool um, kind of personality to have as the owner of your team. You know, um, the owner of your organization. So how about how, how about the new coaching staff? We got a lot more staff, to talk yeah. about we, here, right? Real, real quick, though, real quick, I just want to say one last thing. Funny fact is, Ch- Champ Bailey and Pat Bolin go into the Hall of Fame the same year, right? Guess what? Pat Bolin has a dog named Champ, who he named after Champ Bailey. There you go. Fun fact, right? <laughs> yeah, that is fun. Champ Bailey didn't even know that until until just recently when he was elected to the Hall of Fame, but. Um, but yeah, we have a new coaching staff, and praise the Lord for it because we needed a new coaching staff. Um, Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio from the Bears. Now here's the thing: the Bears were an absolutely dominant defensive team this past year. Um, obviously, you got knocked out of the playoffs pretty early, but dominant defensive team this year, um, and I I think it's a great hire. I mean, what do you think? Well, listen, while the rest of the NFL zigged, John Elway zagged, right? Because the rest (laughs) of the NFL is looking for a young, good-looking offensive coordinator, some version of Sean McVay. Well, Elway's been in the league long enough to realize, you know what? You got to have the defense to stop these offenses. And guess what? Guess the greatest offenses in the history of the NFL, the vast majority of them didn't win Super Bowls. Denver Broncos, 2013. The highest-scoring offense in NFL history didn't win. The Patriots, when they had their greatest offensive team ever, 2007, lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Time and time again, it doesn't matter the era or the year, best defenses usually end up on top. And so I like this hire. He has been – he's 60 years old. He's been a defensive coordinator for 19 out of the last 20 years in the NFL. His statistics, uh, in terms of his defensive team statistics, consistently in the top half, a lot of times in the top five of the NFL um, during that span, highly respected. I think given the fact that we have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, talk about a couple great defensive pass rushers to build a defense around. I mean, I look what uh, Fagia – Fangio did for um, the Bears. You know, Los Angeles Rams came into town, and the Bears completely shut down that high-powered oh, yeah. Rams offense. Four picks, like 107 yeah. passing yards. They did nothing. Fangio can stop high-powered offenses, and guess what? And he's going to remain. And he's going to remain the defensive play caller too. And we're going to have to play the Kansas City Chiefs for the next 10 or 15 years with their quarterback. Yep. Yeah, so but, but Pat Mahomes, man. We better is, figure out a way to house. stop. We got to figure out a way to stop these offenses. So, and unless we, we can it, figure out a way to trade for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, unless we can hopefully draft That's somebody as good as good as he is, and the odds of that yeah. are pretty long. So I think it was a, a good, 
It was a safe pick, but I think it was a good pick. It, I th- you know, safe to a certain degree. Now, here's the thing: is he's never he's he's had a lot of experience in the NFL, as you stated, as a defensive coordinator and whatnot. Also, coached one of the best linebacking groups of all time uh, with the Saints years and years ago. Um, so it so it's safe in the fact that he's got a lot of experience, but he's also he's never been a head coach. This is his first time as a head coach, so it's not. It's not, I don't think it's too safe. I don't think it's like, you know, I don't think it was a situation where El, Elway, you know, took a chance on Vance Joseph and then he was playing scared. I don't think that's the case at all. I think John Elway made a good decision here. And we had a good, we had a pretty good list of candidates that we had, uh, we had talked to. One thing that's great is we had talked to, we'd interviewed both him and Mike Munchak. So what do we do? We go get Mike Munchak as our offensive line coach. So then we get the best of both of them there. Yeah. Because Mike Munchak is a fantastic offensive line coach. He has been for for years and years. And so I thought it was great that we were able to go get him. Now, turning over to some of the assistants. Now, I think we're both in agreement. We like the Vic Fangio uh, hire. Turning over to some of the assistants, we did get some guys, you know, as coordinators who have never been coordinators before. Uh, we'll start with uh, on the offensive side of the ball. We'll start with uh, Rick. Uh, correct me if I'm saying this wrong. Uh, Rick Scangarello. I, I think you said and, it right. And so this is a guy who came over from from the 49ers, and this is you know something you you were actually mentioning to me. You know we missed out on the uh, Kyle. We made the mistake of not hiring hiring Kyle Shanahan a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But now what are we doing? We're hiring all the guys from his tree, mm-hmm. starting with Rick Scangarello. Um, now, when it comes to this guy, he he made something out of nothing last year uh, with uh, when when both uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, what's his name, C.J. Bethard, I think it is. When both yep, of them you're right. down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to make something out of nothing with. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. Oh, uh, the free like, agent, free agent co- Mullins, was it? Mullins. Yeah, yeah, I think it was yeah. Mullins. Yeah, I think that's it right there. Uh, and 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 he and Scangarello obviously was the quarterback coach at this time. Uh, and I think this guy completely overplayed his talent level, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you have to attribute some of that to. You know, scheme as well as as well as the coaching, and and obviously no no one was closer to coaching him than than Rick Scangarello, and Rick Scangarello was also the guy who was pushing for them to sign this guy as a rookie free agent. Um, so apparently he saw something there that that maybe other people didn't see, but um, but yeah, I I I'm not sure where I fall in terms of how good this guy's gonna be. I just I just I don't know. Well, we don't know a lot a lot about him, yeah. but it, but it, it is a show of respect uh, for Shanahan, right? It, that he really is a, a bright offensive head coach, and um, you know that we're we, we are pulling people from his staff. Uh, but you know, my impression of Sangarello, Sangarello, is uh, uh, Scangarello. Yeah, Scangarello. I, I, I believe we're saying it right. Is is he's a little bit of a kind of an offensive guru kind of nerdy type right I mean he's he's been studying offenses and and uh, uh, he's been offensive coordinator for a bunch of small 
uh, colleges. And then he basically went to the Atlanta Falcons staff for free, practically. Because well, he desperately wanted to be on Shanahan's staff. He just has always admired Shanahan's uh, offensive schemes, and he was mm-hmm. he studied the schemes from afar when he was a you know Division two, Division three uh, college offensive coordinator. So then he landed with Atlanta. Clearly, Shanahan thought a lot of him, or he wouldn't have brought him to San Francisco. And I, I saw a couple interviews with him. He seems really intelligent, well spoken. Um, so I feel pretty good about that hire. I mean, we kind Def- of got, got definitely the best. a guy you can root for too. Yeah, and you know, you know, he's passionate about the game and he's passionate about learning and being a student of the game. Because, like, like you said, he almost took that job in Atlanta for free. What was it four years ago? Yeah, he because he was at Northern Arizona University, right? And he took an intern position with the Falcons that saw his pay cut drop seventy percent. Yeah. So clearly the money was not the factor for him. I think, A, he wanted to be a student in the game. He wanted to learn from Shanahan. And, B, I think he wanted to get his foot in the door when it came to being in the NFL. Yep. Um, so he's definitely a guy that you can root for. And, I, I, I mean, I'm happy with the, with, the, uh, with the hire. But at the same time, we don't really know what we have at this point. Um, we're hoping that he can make whatever our quarterback situation ends up being – that he can make uh, make it really work more than obviously it did last year. Um, some other hires that we got uh, on the offensive side of the ball is we actually hired a former. This is this is kind of this is deep. We hired a former Broncos player to be our offensive line assistant, Chris Cooper. I don't know if yeah, you remember Chris. Cooper. I remember him. Um, but we went. I I'm really really happy that we uh, we got Mike Munchak, like I said, and we retained Curtis Modkins. A lot of people don't know that name, but Curtis Modkins came in with Vance Joseph's staff. He was a running back coach, okay? Mm-hmm. And he's a, he was our running back coach when uh, that long – what's his name? Long time. He was the interim head coach a few years back. Um, oh, yeah. Shoot, long time running back Drawing a blank on the name. Um, Curtis Modkins came in as running back coach. Got a thousand yard year out of C.J. Anderson after he had never done that, and then you see what he did last year with Philip Lindsay and even Royce Freeman to you know a lesser degree. But but I'm really glad that they decided to retain him instead of trying to get one of their own guys. Uh, I thought that was huge. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, Ed Donatell uh, was hired, um, who was with Vic Fangio in. In Chicago, most recently, he was the uh, the defensive backs uh, coach for the Bears, I believe it was last year. And another fun fact is he was the defensive backs assistant during the ninety seven ninety eight Super Bowl runs with the Broncos. Mm, isn't, that, yeah. isn't that interesting? It is. And he's been, and he's been an assistant under Fangio for eight consecutive years so far. So uh, clearly, they have a good relationship. Um, but it is his first time as a, as a as a coordinator, but it's almost in title only because we do know that Fangio is going to have his hands all over the defense. That's going to be his go to spot, and he's going to be doing all the play calling on game day. So again, it's kind of a hire where it's like they have a good good relationship. I don't think there's going to be any clashing of heads there in terms of uh, how they should do things, but. There's not really much to go off of, you know what I mean? 
No, but but if you look at big picture, you know, what have the Broncos yeah. done here? They've sort of followed the Patriots model, right? You've got the the the, the senior uh, leadership, veteran coach leadership, but defensive-minded head coach. And then, like Belichick, right, he's a defensive coach. And then you have the young, innovative offensive coordinator the Broncos have brought in. Uh, yeah. perha- perhaps a little bit like our So maybe a little bit of best, best of both worlds. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I said, I've been overwhelmingly, I've been happy with the hires that we've made. And uh, I think Vic Fangio is going to be, you know, some some players call him like he's almost got like a mob boss kind of personality. Yep. <laughs> Which I think is interesting. Doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy that, that, that uh, you know, creases under pressure, if you know what I mean. I, like I think his... Vance Joseph had a little bit of a, a weakness in that department. I think Vance Joseph was a little bit weak-willed in certain ways. Now, I, I certainly I'm not projecting that on him. I I actually liked Vance Joseph as a person. I really wanted him to succeed, but um, but I don't think that this is a guy who's gonna be who's gonna crease under pressure or, uh, you know, as 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 Elway put it, you know, years ago, a few years ago. You know, he wanted his team to go down kicking and screaming. I think, I think with this guy, he's definitely going to be that. There's not going to be a lot of quit in the team as long as they're taken up from his person. Well, he, he's your classic old school kind of tough guy, straight shooter. And I think yeah. one, one of the things Elway really liked, and he mentioned it during the introductory press conference, was uh, when they sat down for dinner, Elway and, and Fangio. Fangio talked about his concept of uh, death by inches. Death by which inches, which yep. means if you, effectively, if you give a player an inch, he'll take a mile. If the guy rolls yep. in a couple minutes late to a meeting and you look the other way, then the next time they're coming in even later and more people roll in later. And I think that was part of the problem with the former coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were players' coaches, quote-unquote, but they weren't demanding discipline from the players, and things got a little bit sloppy. How many times did we cost ourselves – a football game because of stupid plays, injuries, taunting, all kinds of things that don't happen with winning football teams like the Patriots and a lot of other teams that have good, yeah. strong, highly disciplined head coaches that hold their players accountable. And I think Fang- yeah. Fangio yeah. is going to do that. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that. And I love that, that death by inches because he even said, you know, if a player walks in, you know, a minute late, that's in the grand scheme of things. It's not going to it's not going to affect anything. Until it starts to snowball, yeah, that's and right. that's when you start to see it affecting things. But you know, um, and so I, I like that mentality that he has, especially with these guys. I mean, the, the the amount of money they're being paid and and the platform that they have. I mean, they, they don't really have an excuse. You know what I mean? Um, but moving on. So coaching staff. It sounds like generally speaking, we you and I are pretty happy. Uh, I'd love to get Ian's thoughts on this, uh, maybe on a future podcast, but. Um, you and I are pretty happy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving forward, we have obviously a lot that's going to be happening this season. We have the draft. We have number 10 overall pick. We have some free agents um, that are going to be coming up, uh, w- w- whether, you know, making a decision whether or not we should re sign them, let them walk, um, as well as guys that we might want to target moving forward into free agency or via trades. Now, uh, I know that you have a list of free agents there. Uh, pending free agents for the Broncos. 
what are some of the big names that we need to be looking at? So probably the biggest one is Matt Paradis, center. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was injured last year. He, he's had a couple years. We've had hip injuries, and then he had a season-ending surgery last year with a fractured fibula. So yeah. arguably he may be a health concern, but when he's out there, he's played really well, and he's expected to draw a lot of interest in free agency. $10 million plus annually. So it's a pretty big yes. price tag for a center. But he's somebody that, um, you know, I think that we, 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 we would sign for a team-friendly deal, but I don't think we're going to break the bank for him. Well, I would argue that you should. And now here, here's why. You see, a lot of teams undervalue their offensive line. And our offensive line has held us back for years. And... Matt Paradis is rated one of the best, if not the best, center in all of football, and also one of the best, if not the best, interior linemen in all of football. And he did get injured this past year. But prior to that, he had started every game consecutively since 2014. I think it was 2014. If I'm mistaken, mm-hmm. please correct me. But yep. he had a long run of being a Iron Man. You know what I mean? And has constantly been underpaid because he's been playing on uh, uh, lesser contracts and stuff like that. Um, now, the, the one the one thing that holds up this deal is how well Connor McGovern played at center when Paradis went down. That's the, the line looked good. The line looked good with McGovern. Yeah, and, and they exactly. also they also like Sam Jones too. Sam Jones is is someone we drafted who yeah. You know, who seems to be viewed pretty highly. We don't know anything yeah. about him, but seems to be viewed pretty highly. But that's the one thing that holds it up is is Connor McGovern's play down the stretch last year. Um, but Matt Paradis, consecutive years, has been ranked one of the top two centers in the NFL. And you look at teams like the Colts, for instance, they constantly for years would kind of disregard their line and spend their money elsewhere. And then guess what would happen? Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's move on. We got a bunch of other guys to touch on. I think they let him walk. I think they let him walk. Good player, but I don't think they're going to pay him. Uh, okay, okay, but but Kevin, let, let me let me finish making my point here before right. you cut me off. Um, when 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 they finally invested in when the Colts finally invested in their offensive line, Andrew Luck returns to borderline MVP form, and then you have a team like the Texans who have Deshaun Watson, and they have. DeAndre Hopkins, they have Lamar Miller, they have great playmakers all over the field, defensively and offensively, but their often but their offensive line is very subpar, and you see what happens to them. He, they they allowed the most sacks in the NFL, got manhandled by the, by the Colts specifically. So, I think there is something to be said about paying your offensive lineman. But moving on, yeah, yeah, moving on. So, uh, tight end Jeff Hewerman. Ooh. So Jeff Hewerman, we do, the, the, we don't have a lot of film on him, right? He's been hurt so much, but yeah. when he when he has played, he's played reasonably well, especially uh, this last season. And he had he yeah. had a a breakout game, didn't he? Have 120 yards one game there? In the yeah, he had half? one game that that was like dang, but I could understand letting him walk unless you can get him for very cheap. 
I think Which they'll get. I, I think they will. And by the way, he's a reasonably good blocker. He's the only mm-hmm. tight end on the team that can block, and he's also a reasonably effective receiver. So I think they are going to try to keep him. And let's just hope and pray he's beyond his uh, injury problems because he's a good athlete. He has good hands, and he's a pretty decent blocker. We could use a guy, yeah. a guy like him on yeah. the team. I do think. I want just one note is I do think that. The Broncos should get a veteran tight end uh, to help the younger guys because we have Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli as well. Yeah, um, they just need they need some some leadership in there. But go ahead. So Bradley Roby, your thoughts? Oh, Bradley Roby, man, that guy is so hot and cold that it's hard to read him because he'll have an absolutely dominant game and then he'll give up three touchdowns the next game. And it just doesn't make sense how how hot and cold this guy is. If his consistency was was a li- even just a little bit better, I would say absolutely. Let's try to get this guy back. But I think cornerback is is too premium of a position to have a guy that's as inconsistent as he has been. He has shown so many flashes, but he's also shown so many weaknesses in his game um, throughout the years. And I think he's more suited for. The role that he was in before Aqib Tlaib left, he was very good as number three. Um, I mean, I think it's going to obviously depend on what else is out there, but I think we should try to get someone else as our number two. Uh, Isaac Yadam, he looked bad when at the beginning, the first time you saw him start playing, but then he started to play really, really well. He was learning very quickly. I really like uh, how quickly he was learning, and I think he might we might have something in him. But not to say that we should turn it over to him right away. But but yeah, what do you think? I, th- I think we're going to uh, look in, in the draft at cornerback. I think we're also going to look at some free agents. I think Roby, you know, they picked up his fifth uh, they picked up his uh, fifth year option uh, mm-hmm. at over eight million a year, and I think that was an indication that I think they were seriously considering signing him to a second uh, contract. But as you said, his play was inconsistent last year. Free agent starting quarterbacks are making between 10 and $12 million a year. That's the going rate. I just yeah. don't, see him spend, don't see him spending that kind of money on Roby. So I think he will. He hasn't proven it enough to spend that kind of money. Right. Because, again, he's been too inconsistent. And then Who the else ne- we got? The next guys we should probably talk about them together – Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray, uh, both those guys, uh, free agent, outside linebackers. Uh, so what do you think? Uh, Shane Ray, let him walk. Uh, Shaq Barrett, try to re-sign him. The only downside with him is he has already stated that he wants to try and be a starter somewhere, yep. which he kind of deserves it. Um, but he may walk just because he knows he's got Von Miller and Bradley Chubb ahead of him. Um, okay. I really want to keep him, but... I think someone's going to offer him a, a, a starting position somewhere, and he might he might go ahead and take that. Um, in that case, I still say let Shane Ray walk because we do have um, Shelby Harris in the middle. Has been, now he's obviously not the same position, but he's been applying a lot of pressure, uh, getting a lot better. And then I can't remember the guy's name near the end of last year, but I remember he was wearing, uh, I think it was number 49, I want to say. Um, but... He was inactive most of the year. They st- finally started giving him some playtime late in the year, and he looked good. He didn't look like much of a, a step down from like a Shaq Barrett. So I uh, can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately. Should you talking about, you know about Jeff Holland? Jeff Holland, thank you. Yeah, yeah that's a, it's a free agent. 
edge rusher out of Auburn. I, I yeah, think, Jeff yeah, Holland. Yeah, I think I think he has a future on our team. I think that's, he's really and that's good. what I'm saying. I think I think he's going to be better than trying to retain Shane Ray. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, he is yeah. a starting caliber outside linebacker. He's not going to start for the Broncos. I think he's going to move on. Shane Ray hasn't been a bust, but he is not worth worth another contract with us. I, think I do think he's been a bust it. in regards to his draft position because we took him in the first round. Well, I wouldn't call him a, a, a bust. Is, all right, so here's my definition of first a bust. First-round pass rushers should be starters. He's never been a starter. He, well, I wouldn't call that a bust. I mean, he, he's he been a serviceable player. Now, here's what – when I think bust, I think Paxton Lynch. Yeah, I understand that. But <laughs> I have if he was drafted in the third round, maybe not a bust. I call, him di- I call him disappointing first-round draft pick. I okay, okay. I can, I, can, I, can, I can hang my head on that. That's fine. Yeah. Anyone else that we need to be looking at here? Yeah, we should uh, – Veldeer, right tackle. I think we bring him back. He's 32 years old. I don't, don't think he's going to get a lot of interest out there. I think we can bring him back uh, uh, for a short-term deal. He played, Yeah, one or two years. He played pretty well for us last year. and then we Yeah, have, he was decent. He was, he was a decent – he wasn't great, but with how bad our right tackle spot has been for so long, he at least anchors that position a little bit, you know? Yep, and we got Pecco, nose tackle. He's turning 34 years. I think he is 34 years old, but, boy, he's a fan favorite, and he's a space eater down there and just a great team guy. I hope. I they, like him a hope lot. hope they bring him back for another year or two. Yeah, I can see both sides of the argument, but I hope they do. Max Garcia. He played better this past year. Yeah. He played we'll better this past year. Um, he was part of that interior that uh, – that looked a lot better this year. Anyone else? Uh, real quick, uh, Tremaine Brock, cornerback, Billy Turner, O lineman, and I think that's Billy about Turner. It. Yes, bring Billy Turner back. Yep. So I think that that's it. Tremaine Mark. Brock, I could definitely see them bringing him back as a number three. I think he's good, but maybe not as number two. Um, I do think that. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation going around, and I want to—I just want to hear your thoughts, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, been a lot of talk about the Broncos making a trade for none other than uh, Antonio Brown for the Steelers. Oh, I pray we don't do that. No, no, no interest at all, huh? None. I please. It, it, it would completely ruin my attitude going into this season. A prima oh, donna I just, in the I just extreme. Don't like, I just don't like the diva mentality. Walked out on his team. No thank yeah. you. Yeah, I just don't like his mentality. I don't like his personality. Um, I don't think I would be as soured as you if we did. I think I'd be like, all right, let's 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 make it happen, make it work. But but I'm definitely not going to be sad if we don't make that trade. No. You know what I mean? I just I don't like those personalities. Those personalities can be, as you could see with with the Steelers, can be. Uh, you know, venomous for lack of a better term. You know, yeah, I for, mean, listen, he, he apparently he turned on Rossweiler. I mean, how quickly is he going to turn on um, our quarterback, whoever we have? You mean Roethlisberger? There. Roethlisberger, sorry, yeah. What did you say, Rossweiler? Yeah, I was thinking of Osweiler. I, I guess I said <laughs> Rossweiler. But he turned uh, on yeah, Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger. Yeah, apparently I heard that too. Not someone we want in the locker room. No. Now, what, what about the draft coming up? And I don't want to go too deep into it because we haven't studied it. 
but I have not I have not put enough time into it. I know there's a lot of interest. John Elway has fallen in love with this Drew Locke. Drew Locke out of Missouri and all the mock drafts, which don't mean a whole lot, but all the mock drafts have us taking him at 10 or if not 10, moving up to take him. And uh, I like I've I've seen some film of the guy. Now, (laughs) it's sort of uh, mixed bag, right? Because on the one hand, I hear that he has he reminds a lot of people of Jay Cutler in terms of his physical tools. I'm on board with that. But yeah, where, he just can't have the personality that color. Apparently, has. he's got a just a rocket arm. He's very athletic. He's a big guy, six four, two twenty five. Um, yeah, we but, have we haven't taken enough chances on those guys, have we? What do you mean? Tall, big armed guys. <laughs> oh well, they listen. They, they, they I like that. Uh, I'm okay with tall, big armed guys. We just have to get the right one. But the difference. I, I'm 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 a guy. I've always been more about accuracy and pocket presence. So, so here's the thing. The difference between him and Cutler is Drew Locke, nice personality, good leadership skills. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. The only downside is the last guy to come out of Missouri who was very highly touted was Blaine Gabbert. Yeah, but he's not Blaine Gabbert, thank goodness. I hope <laughs> I know, he's not. I know, but it's. I think there's always just like a little bit of a holdup when you have a weak quarterback class because these guys get overhyped. Like last, if he was in last year's quarterback class, how far back would he have been? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's. I, I'm I'm not. So don't get me wrong. I haven't done enough study on it yet, but I'm just I'm just apprehensive. That's all. And that I, might change. I might I might fall in love with the guy if I do more study. But just as of right now, I'm just a little apprehensive about taking, uh, about reaching for quarterbacks, which we have done. Well, I'm apprehensive um, about the fact that we do not have a good quarterback. We don't have anyone on the team who's a future quarterback. We better do something to get one. Last year, I thought we should have drafted one in the first round. I still feel that way. Now we're at number 10 overall. We can't go back-to-back years without drafting somebody that we think can come in and be our future. So if, if, if the Broncos feel this highly about Locke, I say – and they're number 10 – in the draft, I, I think it will happen. I do think it will happen. Whether or not it's going to pan out is another story. Oh well, we don't know, but 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 hopefully they've done their homework. We've we've had some misses at quarterback, so maybe oh, we're, yeah. we're due at this point. We are um, due at this point. Real quick, I just wanted to, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, any last words that you wanted to stay? stay? Uh, let me see what I had. We talked coaching staff. Oh, Super Bowl. Um, I watched the game like everybody else. It was mind-numbingly boring. I have very little to say about the Super Bowl. But I, I, I will say this about the Super Bowl, that, you know, it, it just points to the brilliance. Defense. The brilliance of the Patriots, and Belichick in particular. And it also points to the importance of having a, head, like you just said, a heady quarterback who's a good leader, who can read defenses, who can make quick decisions. Because what ha- what Belichick did to the Rams was he recognized that Goff has all the physical tools you'd want in a quarterback, but as a young signal caller, he wasn't so smart when it came to reading defenses. The brain Correct. thrust was on the sideline, the coach, yeah. uh, McVay. So what did, what did Belichick do? He sent in two defensive plays each time. And then right before the snap, they changed their defense. 
Yeah, um, so, so therefore, McVeigh was calling plays against a defense that was a phantom defense because he changed it up. Now it's up yeah, to and because the, the communication shuts down at 15 second play clock. And get and their quarterback Goff, as good as he is, he was lost. He, he had no clue what to do back there. Yeah, he's, he and he even said Jared Goff actually stated that the offense they were they were guessing. They didn't know what to do. They were guessing. Give me a strong defensive-minded head coach, and guess what? Oh, I'm, I'm that's in. What, I'm that's in. what we have I'm right in. now. Yeah, I'm in with Vic Fangio, and I, I love good defensive-minded co- uh, coaches. Uh, real quick, as we wrap up here, just want to let you know, I don't know if you'd heard about this or not, but football is still going to be going on for the next two and a half months in the form of the Alliance of American Football. What? A new, new eight-team league that was uh, launched and started by uh, Bill Polian. I'm sure you've heard of him. Uh, Bill Polian and a couple other guys. There's a lot of guys that you would have heard of. Steve Spurrier is one of the head coaches. Mike huh. Singletary is one of the head coaches. Um, not It's not meant to be a direct uh, a direct uh, competition to the NFL. Actually, NFL Network is going to be airing uh, some of the games every week for the next two and a half months. But I just want to let you know about it. It's something that I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be paying attention to it uh, just to uh, – just to see what the level of play is like and to, uh, you know, kind of whet the appetite for football over the next two and a half months. Very um, interesting. Who's going to fill the rosters, um, Austin? The rosters have already been full. I know, but who? There's, who? There are there are, there are, and there are some NFL castaways or guys who are hoping to make a shot in the NFL, stuff like that. So there's guys that you would have heard of on some of these teams. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to be watching that. Uh, they're going to be airing on CBS. The games are going to be airing on CBS, NFL Network, and Bleacher Report Live, which is an app uh, you can download and watch the games on there. Right. Okay. Um, but I'm going to be watching. I'm kind of just randomly picking a team, uh, Salt, Lake's, uh, Salt Lake Stallions. Uh, two reasons I'm picking that team. Salt Lake doesn't really have any professional teams, and that's the closest team to where I'm at. And secondly, the Stallions are very close to the Broncos. So... <laughs> Well, and, and Salt Lake City is not that far from Denver. Uh, no, not that far from Denver. Another thing is there's a lot of rule differences. Uh, there's there's uh, there's no kickoffs, so you get the ball at the 25. Um, uh, and there's no onside kicks, obviously, with that. So instead of an onside kick, if you're down by 17 or more points uh, with five minutes left in the game, you get a fourth and 12 at your own 28 to try and convert. If you do, you maintain the ball. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I just looked at the. They got a bunch of uh, uh, West Coast teams there. They got one in Atlanta, though, one Birmingham. Yeah, I'm gonna yep. go, I'm gonna go with you. I'll stick with Salt Lake. That'll be my favorite team. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch them. Uh, games start this weekend. Uh, the Salt Lake Stallions game is gonna be on NFL Network. I think five five o'clock on Sunday. So, I will be watching that. Who's their starting quarterback? Say again? Who's their starting quarterback? I can't even remember, to be honest with you. I'm going to learn as I go. <laughs> um, BJ Daniels. Another thing is there's there's no point after touchdowns. There's no uh, kicks after the touchdowns. Instead, you have you have to go for a two-point conversion, um, which is interesting. And the sudden death, the overtime rules, basically what happens is you get, you get the ball first and goal at the 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you have to score a touchdown, and try to try to get a two point conversion, and then the other team gets a chance to do the same. 
I bet you they'll have a lot of uh, Brigham Young uh, players on the team there. <laughs> Probably. Um, so, okay, well, good tip uh, for us. Yeah, uh, just just want to let you know about it. Let the fans know about it. Now, obviously, for those of you who have not heard, uh, uh, that's something that you guys can can be watching during you know while we're kind of still waiting for NFL stuff to get back going again. Uh, obviously, uh, just ended, but we're always awesome. Ma- maybe we should start a Salt Lake Stallions podcast. I don't know about that. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah, not yet. I'm gonna say not yet on that one. Okay, okay. Needs a little uh, more study. Yeah, but anyways, thank you all for joining, for listening to us here at Debron's Podcast. We appreciate any like or share or anything that you're willing to do for us. Uh, we always appreciate it. Um, we thank you for our, from our sponsors. And Kevin, any last words? Nope, I am done. Go Stallions. Go Stallions, go Broncos. And we will talk to you guys here soon as we approach the, uh, as we approach the draft and, and free agency. All right, have a good night. We'll be right back.